Hello, brothers and sisters and Bereans. Um, I'm excited to get back into our study, and I hope you guys had a really good break. Um, today, we are going to talk about Revelation 17 and 18. So to give you a little bit of recap, mainly because I don't have anything open up on my computer screen, and I need that. But also, just to give you kind of a recap, we have just covered the bowl judgments, which is the wrath of God. We saw where there was a grape harvest on the earth. There were first fruits to that grape harvest when um, Jesus or an angel or some type of angelic being that was sitting on a cloud had a sickle, took the first fruits of the grape harvest. The rest of the grape harvest was overly ripe, and that's when judgment came to them. That was in Revelation 14. And then in 15 and 16, we see that harvest on the overly ripe, the wicked, happening in Revelation 15 and 16 from a different perspective. So what's happening in the interdimensional, outer dimensional, however you want to say it, realm, is that the grape harvest is happening. And that's what John is seeing. Now he's showing us in Revelation 15 and 16 the bold judgment. So that's the wrath of God, this harvest and what it's going to look like on earth side. Now in Revelation 17 and 18, it's almost like he's taking us to a different perspective. This is almost outside of our dimension again. So it's one of those things that's kind of hard. I'm going to be honest. It's hard to, to wrap your mind around what is happening, who it is, what it represents, how it's going to play out. Um, so let's just start out in prayer because God knows that we need it and heaven forbid we feel like we don't need it. So Heavenly Father, Lord, I just ask for your hand in this podcast and in this lesson, God. I just pray that you are glorified in it. Father, give us a supernatural mind to wrap around what is happening in your judgment on Babylon. Father, help us to be able to grasp this and retain it and remember it whenever we're going through your word as it comes back to us, God. And I just pray that you just help us to discard the flesh as much as we possibly can, get rid of our sinful desires and walking in the supernatural desires that you have given us in um, the natural body. Father, we thank you and we praise you and we worship you in Jesus name. Amen. Okay. So Revelation 17 and 18. Um, some scholars teach that they're both the same in that Babylon is being judged and that there, it's all one and the same. It's a. It, some people say it's a very. It's a physical place that's being destroyed in seventeen and eighteen. Some say, and this is kind of where I hold to that there's a spiritual Babylon and that there's a commercial Babylon. It appears to be that Revelation seventeen is really focusing on the false prophet and the false religion that rides the back of the beast. Now the beast is the first beast. The, set, the prostitute represents the false prophet, the second beast. So it is the first beast that is supporting her, but it appears like she is riding him and that she's in control. But we're going to see that he's going to turn and devour her um, in, just a, in just a little while. So I'm going to teach from the perspective that Revelation 17 is spiritual Babylon and is 
part of the um, false religious system that's been in place that has deceived so many and has deceived them through pharmakeia is what we're going to see in Revelation 18, has deceived them through this worship of the beast and through this mark of the beast, which we're going to see judgment is going to come upon the earth on those who took the mark and partook in it. We saw that with the bold judgments, but now we're seeing God's judgment coming upon the second beast and the first beast itself. Okay, so let's just dive right on in. Um, Verse 17, it says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls, these are the judgments, came and said to me, Come, and I will show you of the great prostitute who was seated on many waters. And by the way, many waters is often used of as the peoples and nations and languages, which tells us we can get that in verse 15 of chapter 17, that these waters that she's sitting on are people and nations and languages. She's sitting upon them, standing upon them in authority, which means she's conquered them. Okay. With whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual adultery, sexual immorality with, with the wine of those whose sexual immorality, the dwellers on the earth have become drunk. So she has deceived them. She's brought them in any type of historically throughout the scriptures, any type of idolatry and false religions is seen as sexual immorality. Um, you often see it starting out as, um, hang on, I gotta find my notes, committing fornication, quote unquote, whether that's spiritual fornication or whether that's physical fornication, then into sexual immorality, then into idolatry. They're all used synonymously with each other, which is why God is called like the husband of Israel and she is the harlot essentially not this harlot but like the in Hosea she is a prostitute that cannot get rid of her sexual immorality cannot stop cheating on God with other gods um, and that's what we're seeing with the earth no longer is it Israel because Israel is being redeemed the land is being redeemed and she's been redeemed through the 144,000 now we're seeing the earth the earth dwellers facing judgment for this idolatry that they committed with this system, with this religious system, with this prostitute. And oftentimes we see with false religion, sex is brought into it very physically. Um, That is all throughout the Old Testament. Virgins and prostitutes were used um, in the church to Ephesus. Um, There were priestesses in the pagan churches that would, they were priestesses and they were also prostitutes and they used sexual immorality to get, to gain the trust of the men and to be able to control the men, which is also what Jezebel does. And that's why we hear the Jezebel spirit. Um, I believe that something very similar is going to happen here um, with that type of how the kings of the earth, these nations become drunk with her wine. Okay, verse three, and he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. So this is the same woman. That's a great prostitute seated on many waters, but we're seeing her from a different perspective, it seems like. And she was full of blasphemous names. And it had seven heads and 10 horns. Remember, that was from um, chapter 12 and 13. 
The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. And I saw the woman with the blood, drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. So we are going to know this mystery that she holds is going to be revealed to us um, of, of it. So it was a mystery to John. Um, we know that she is going to persecute Christians, true Christians, not just people who are like, you know, I go to church on Sundays, like actual true Christians um, that are sealed by God. Um for the first judgment, anyways, the tribulation saints. These are the tribulation saints. She's drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. When I saw her, I marveled greatly. Um, some translations say I was astonished greatly. And that to me is a little bit of a better translation because when you see marveled, it's like, <laughs> it's like, ooh, look at her. Like, you know, like, a, like an intrigue, a good kind of intrigue. Um, but where he's astonished is almost like he's completely appalled by what she's doing and what she has done. It really shows you as much as John has seen by this point, he was cast out in Patmos. He was boiled alive in oil, I believe. And just uh, he saw his savior of the world be crucified and then be resurrected three days later. He has seen so much. And yet when he sees this beast, this prostitute that rides the beast, he's marveled greatly. He's astonished. He's appalled. So notice that this prostitute is not the beast itself. She initially exploits the beast, but eventually is destroyed by him. Harlotry or prostitution is a false type of devotion. It's a feigned love and it's a counterfeit affection, which is what she uses to get the world drunk with her ways. Um, and so, like I said, the, the mystery of Babylon was a mystery until now. Um, when I saw her, I marveled greatly or was astonished greatly. But the angel said to me, why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast with seven heads and 10 horns that carries her. You know, when we were talking about the um, Freemasonry and we were talking about some of their rituals, they're very, very secretive and they're very much protective over that secret society. Satanism, Luciferianism is a very secret society. And it is about to not saying that that's going to be the false religion, but I very much think that that's going to be tied into it because I do think it is going to be a worship of Satan himself. No matter how that looks, they will think that they are worshiping God or a God. And it's all about secrecy. It's all about mystery, but no more. This angel is revealing it to John. It says, The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. So this is the beast that she is riding. This appears to be the first, first prophet. So the beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit. This could be in reference to his resurrection where he suffers a mortal wound to the head and is resurrected by the breath of Satan himself three days later is about to rise from the bottomless pit of destruction. Some scholars also say that this could be in reference to Rome, where Rome was and was not 
and is going to surface again if we're thinking about this from a political standpoint or from a commercial standpoint. But this is really a religious standpoint. So I, in my gut, I feel like this is probably in reference to the first beast, the political leader, as far as was and is not, is referring to when Satan indwells him himself and when he's asking, not asking, forcing people to worship him and to take his mark. But if it's one thing that we've learned about God's word is that it's not linear and that there's depth. So there could be more depth to this statement than what we even realize. Okay. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of the life from the foundation of the world will marvel to see the beast because it was and is not and is to come, which to me just reiterates that he died and was resurrected again on the third day. They are going to marvel these earth dwellers who don't have their name written in the book of the life of the lamb from the foundations of the earth will marvel at him and will worship him and they will want to. They will be so supportive of him. They're going to be in awe of him. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. This is very often in scholarly studies and in commentaries referenced to Rome because Rome is known as a city built upon seven hills. So this says that the, so they say that the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated, the prostitute is seated. So, so when the false religious system rises, they think that it will rise in Rome because it's a seven built on seven hills, seven city. It's a hill built on seven, (laughs) a city built upon seven hills. Jesus take the will. Y'all I'm sleep deprived. Okay. My only thought and hesitation with it. It could be Rome, but there is a Greek word for hill and there's a Greek word for mountain. And the Greek word used here is mountain. And we know scripturally that mountains are often referred to as governmental systems or kingdoms political systems, like things like that. And so um, I'm not saying that it's not Rome, but I'm also thinking that possibly we shouldn't be completely sold into it because it might not be. It might be that this woman seated on seven mountains, seven heads or seven mountains could be seven high kingdoms political systems that are very, very supportive of her. So that's one of those things that we are always watching with end time prophecy are who are the main, the UAE really gives us an insight into who are the main systems that are supportive of the darkness that's going behind right now in the world, trying to bring forth this new world order. We need to be watching for these kingdoms that are part of that. Because this met, that may give us insight into who these mountains are if they are governmental systems. It says that they are also seven kings, five of whom have fallen. One is and the other has not yet come. And when he does come, he must remain only a little longer. So we've got seven kings, five of whom have fallen. One is and one has not yet come. And so this... <laughs> I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on this because I'm not. But all I think about is the little horn where the little horn came up and devoured the other horns. It sounds to me like five kingdoms 
are going to be super, super, super supportive of what's happening. And yet they're going to fall, whether they fall and are consumed by the beast itself, or whether they're going to see what's happening and be like, no, forget this. We don't support this. And, um, and fall away, but yet we know that they're still going to be consumed by the beast by doing that. Okay, so I just have adjusted my volume. I hope that helps. Some. Maybe I was just screaming in your ear. I'm sorry if I was. Um, <laughs> if you're even still listening. Okay, so it says that, hang on, let me find my place. Five of whom have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he does come, he must only remain for a little time. So there's a couple different ways where you can take that. So we've got the five that are fallen, perhaps kingdoms that aren't supportive, but then you've got one who is, and the other has not yet come. Some say that this is Assyria, because Assyria is one of the kingdoms that is mentioned in Daniel in the end time prophecy that is no longer a kingdom. It's also believed that the Antichrist, the this first beast that come, will be, he's often referred to as the great Assyrian in the Old Testament. And so it could be that he comes from the people of Assyria. There's a, um, a group of them in San Francisco, actually. They are very uh, jealous for their lineage and for their line. Now, while they, while they don't have a country, they know where they're from. And so it could be that he comes from this line and reestablishes his kingdom when it says has not yet come. But when he does come, he must only remain a little while. Um, it could be re- referencing his um, death and resurrection where it talks about who is and has not yet come, but when he does come, he comes only for a little while because we know that in Revelation, I think it's 12, maybe it's, yeah, I think it's 12, where he knows his time is short. So, um, he, cause he's cast down to earth. Maybe that's in reference to he only has a little while. Um, so anyways, it could be that three and a half years, um, is what it's talking about. So maybe that's when that part of the kingdom will rise because it's not yet come, but it will come at his resurrection. I'm not really sure. I'm going to be honest, but I'm just giving you, throwing things out for you to consider. Um, Verse 11, and as for the beast that was and is not, it is an eighth, but it belongs to the seven and it goes to destruction. Okay. This means that it comes from the support of those seven systems, but then he rises above them essentially as like the leader, the little horn. Um, And the 10 horns that you saw are 10 kings who have not yet received royal power, but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour together with the beast. These are of one mind and they hand over their power and authority to the beast. They will make war on the lamb. What a joke. And the lamb will conquer them for he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And those with him are called chosen and faithful. So I feel like we've got all this darkness that happens. And then God gives us this little inkling of like, okay, yes, thank you for reminding us that these people are defeated. They have come, they have corrupted the entire world. They have deceived the entire world. And yet they will be defeated in just a swift moment. They gather together all of their people to go against the son of God, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he is swift to conquer. So verse 15, and the angel said to me, the the waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages and the 10 horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate 
the prostitute, and they will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to carry out this purpose by being of one mind and handing over the royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. So we see people who are so sold into this Luciferian belief that Satan, Lucifer, sacrificed himself as an angel to come to the earth to give them a knowledge that God refused to give them, the knowledge of good and evil, and that it's this, he sacrificed himself. Um, He hates them. They can be solely devoted to him. They can do all of the rituals. They can do all the blood sacrifices. They can sacrifice children. They can do everything that they do. And he hates them. He still hates them. You have, people have no idea that Satan could care less about them, that he only uses them for his own gain. He is not interested. This person, this prostitute that he turns on, she rode him. She got, she essentially brings a group of people to him that he could have never brought to himself without the help of this spiritual prostitute, this religious system. And yet he turns on her in a moment, all the Kings with him turn on her and devour her and devour the people that come with it. He's not interested in her. He used her to gain power. And that's exactly what Satan does. He's not interested in anybody. He's not interested in sacrificing himself for anyone. He uses them to gain power, to gain authority, to be like God. And we know that he will be defeated in this. Okay, so there are words that was described in Revelation 17 the colors that the prostitute was wearing with the purple and the red and the, all of these things that she's that give her a clear linkage to the Vatican. And like I've mentioned before, Dave Hunt gives a very great explanation of why he believes that the Pope will be the false prophet and will lead people into the false religious system. However, I do, do not think... If it is the Pope, it's not going to be Catholicism that he's promoting. It's not going to be this Christianity, this corrupt Christianity that the Catholic Church believes in anyways. It is going to be this religion system of old. Now, I do think that the Pope would be perfect, a perfect description for it, because if there's one person that is known around the earth as a beacon of hope, as a vicar of God, it's the Pope. And so I think that that would be someone that would immediately get respect of the people, especially if he came out and was supportive of this new world order, which he has and he is. So keep an eye out on him. I'm not saying that he is a false prophet, but I think that he fits the bill quite a bit, but I don't think that it's going to be limited. It's so much bigger than Catholicism. It's so much bigger. Um, some people think that the Pope is a Freemason, but we ha- it has not been 100% clarified, at least to me. Um, what the, this is going to be the religion of old. And let me tell you, when I say that this is a religion of old, 
It is a religion of old, which is what is really going to win people over because this religion has been around since before Christ came in the flesh. It's been around since before Israel became a nation. It has been around since the Tower of Babel. When Nimrod, God, after the flood, God told the people to be fruitful and multiply and spread across the earth. And what did they do? They grouped together in one city, Babylon, and built a tower of Babel to be like God in the face of God. Nimrod headed this up. He is known as the hunter of men. But, um, I see, is that a mighty man of God, hunter of men? He literally, oh shoot, I'm going off of memory and now I'm, I feel like I'm butchering it. Um, it, the way that it's translated is that he is the hunter of men of God. Like he was against God. It sounds like in the original in, in Genesis, it sounds like he was a hunter of before the Lord, but it's actually translated as against the Lord. And he was not hunting animals. He was hunting men of God. And so all idolatry, every single bit of it in the Old Testament stems back to this Nimrod. After Nimrod died, his son Tammuz married his mother and had children with her. And all forms of idolatry come through Tammuz and all goes back to Nimrod because Nimrod is the father of And so I never made that connection really until recently, until I really started studying the Freemasonry and what they believe, um, that all of it is connected and that multiple references is about the religion of old. Um, and that's what a lot of the Freemasonry talks about is bringing forth this old, but new way of life. Um, so keep an eye out on that type of thing. Um, Okay, I think I've pretty much covered everything in Revelation 7. I have a um, an image in our slides that's just, to me, a very creepy but, like, powerful image of what that harlot that rides the beast, what it will look like in the dimensional realm. So we've got this Babylon. So we're moving on into Revelation 18. The verse before sets us up that the woman that you saw in the gr- is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. So we're seeing a woman who is the false prophet, the, the false religion. Remember, we talked about how this prostitute represents a religion, a false religion. Now we're seeing a woman who's a little bit different than the prostitute. And this is the woman Babylon. Jerusalem and Israel is often referred to as a woman, even though it's named after Jacob. Israel is the wife of God, the estrayed wife of God, the widowed wife of God. Um, Babylon is also a woman of Satan. Um, And so in contrast, you've got the city of the world versus the city of God's people in Jerusalem. Babylon is the city of the flesh. Jerusalem is a city of the spirit. Babylon is a city of mammon, which is a God that traces all the way back to Nimrod. Jerusalem is the city of God. Babylon is a city of war. Jerusalem is a city of peace. There's this constant contrast, which is why some scholars, one of the scholars that I follow in particular, Chuck Misler, thinks that Babylon, which is desolate right now, will be rebuilt and called New Babylon because of 
all the prophetic implications that have happened. You have the Tower of Babel where God spread everybody out, confused the languages so that they could not congregate there anymore and they had to spread out. Then you've got Babylon that Nebuchadnezzar came in and took Israel into captivity for 70 years and then they turned into Persia and then they turned into Greece and then they turned into Rome. Um, There are some scholars who believe that Babylon will be rebuilt, which is also what um, Saddam Hussein tried to do back in the 80s, I believe, um, when George H.W. Bush came in and stopped him. Um, and it has not been rebuilt since then. And so just kind of keep an eye out. Some people we were talking about in our Bible study on Wednesday night about Dubai. These are a couple things, places to be looking out for that are just really building up to be this type of empire. In the outskirts of Dubai is where the Abrahamic Accord is. Um where this religion, unifying religious system is with the Abrahamic Accord, bringing together the Jews, the Muslims, and the Christian faith. Um, so just a couple different places to think about, because that's what we're going to be talking about is Revelation 18, this commercial Babylon. It seems to be a physical place. Um, this is where the first beast reigns. Okay, so after this, Metatauta. So after the destruction of, to me, this reads after the destruction of the prostitute that rides the beast, after the destruction of the false religion, after this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority and the earth was made bright with his glory. I just imagine this being Michael because it means who is like God and he's a war angel. And I don't know, I might be wrong, but it's just. This is a very important angel. This also contrasts Isaiah 13 that talks about the the, the destruction of Babylon. So write that down, Isaiah 13, and go read it um, when you can. Okay, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. This is an echo of what we heard in Revelation 14, 8. So we are hearing this echo of a different perspective that sure is her destruction. Um, When we see things twice like that, it means that it is certain and it is very soon. Just like the the dream that Pharaoh had and Joseph in Genesis comes to interpret Pharaoh's dream. He had two dreams of a plague that was coming. Um, Not really a famine, not a plague. I'm sorry, a famine. And he had dreams of wheat and seven were consuming and then the um, cows and seven consumed the the fatter cows, but they didn't get fat, you know, um, go back and read that. But he, Joseph tells us that when you have two things like that, that happen, it means that it is certain and it is very soon. So that's what is certain. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. It is certain and it is very soon. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast beast for all nations have drunk the wine of the passions of her sexual immorality and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living 
Um, just a quick note, unclean spirits are used as ministers of Satan throughout scripture. One of the dreams that Joseph interpreted of the bread maker and the wine, the bread maker had bread up in his hat. That's often where they carried it is up in their hat, um, a really, really big hat. And the birds, unclean birds were coming to eat the bread. And he said, this means that you're going to die in three days. Um, and he was right. Um, and so we have... Also, we have three groups of people that bemoan the fall of Babylon. We have the kings of the earth, the merchants, and those who trade by the sea with her. And we're going to see that there are 28 literal commodities listed that were dependent upon the religious system. Um, Zechariah chapter 5 suggests that there is an appropriate, this is 5 verses 5 through 11, um, that there will be an appropriate time when the commercial and the religious power center the planet earth and will migrate to its original site, which is what we discussed in the city of Babylon. He sees the woman labeled as wickedness sealed in a EFA, which is a standard for com um, commercial volumetric measures in those days, basically money, um, with a lid enclosing her for transportation to Babylon, also being transported by wings of an unclean bird. So something to think about with this, um, Isaiah 13 and 14 and Jeremiah 50 and 51 talk about the fall of Babylon. So go back to that when you want to, um, we're going to move on into verse four. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues for the, her sins are heaped high as heaven and God has remembered her iniquity. This is where the other rapture, the last rapture is mentioned where people say that we will not be raptured until the very end. I think that this is a great harvest of the 144,000, the sealed telling them to come out, bringing them, reaping them from the earth. But if, if I'm wrong about that, this could be the last rapture that is mentioned. Come out of her. Pay her back as she herself has paid others and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her cup for her in the cup that she mixed. Basically drink what she has brought upon others. She's going to have to drink this same destruction. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning, since in her heart she says, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. This is a direct contrast to Israel. Israel is often referred to as the widowed and divorced wife. She's, I, I struggled with this when I heard this. Um, Chuck Nisler made this reference, so I had to go hunt it out myself. Israel's referred to as divorced in Jeremiah 3, verses 8 through 10. Israel's referred to as widowed in Lamentations. So I'll let you look that out on your own. Um, Babylon is creating a direct contrast to Israel and to Jerusalem here. Um, for this reason, for this pride that she has, for this contrast of being wanting to be like God, for this reason, her plagues will come in a single day and death and mourning and famine and she will be burned up with fire for mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. Now, I struggle with this because does that mean that all seven of the bowl judgments are going to come in one day or does that mean like the cosmic chaos that comes with the seventh bowl 
the seventh trumpet and the sixth seal. If you remember my diagram, does that mean that that's the destruction from the cosmic chaos that they bring and destroy her in an hour in a day? I don't know. I'm just kind of vocalizing what my, um, what I'm wrestling with and what I think it could look like. Um, it says in the Kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her. When they see the smoke of her burning, they will stand far off in fear and torment and say, alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city of Babylon for in a single hour, your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her since no one buys their cargo anymore. They are poor without this woman, Babylon, this city, this great city. And so it goes into 12 different or 28 different commodities listed of we can look into this and we can be like, well, this is what this represents. And this is what this represents. Essentially, all of it represents living a luxurious life. And they had a lot of it, four times seven, 28. Um, and so anyways, the very last thing that's listed is slaves. That is human souls is something that they were dependent upon, which ties them into the religious system. It tells you that sacrifice, blood sacrifice will come back. Um, guillotines are mentioned in the scriptures um, that that's how, how the, this false beast, this this beast will get rid of those who don't worship him is through guillotine and it could use the the blood for that. Anyways, kind of creepy, but either way, human souls are used for their trading. Um, verse 14, the fruit for which your soul longed has gone from you and all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you and never to be found. And the merchants, okay, now we're going on to the merchants. Um, again, we had the Kings of the earth and then we had the merchants are weeping and then um, the merchants of these wares that were just mentioned, who gained wealth from her, will stand far off in fear of torment, weeping and mourning aloud, saying, Alas, alas, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet, there's that reference again, adorned with jewel, with jewels and with pearls, for a, in a single hour all of this wealth has been laid waste. So, you know... I'm going, I'm going ad lib on this because I notice that the kings of the earth weep and wail over her as they see her burning and they stand off in fear and torment. The merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her. And it also says that they um, stand far off in fear of her torment. Now we have the shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors, and all those who trade on this, whose trade is on the sea. And they stood far off and they're not weeping and they're not wailing and they're not mourning, but they cry out as they saw her smoke burning. And they say, what city was like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads and they wept and they mourned crying aloud. I find it interesting that these are a little bit different than the other ones. And I don't know why. And they're throwing dust on their hand, head, which is a sign of mourning. It's a sign of repentance. Who are they repenting to? It can't be God. Alas, alas, for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth. For in a single hour, she has been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets. For God has given judgments for you against her. So maybe they are people of God. I don't know. I don't know, y'all. I don't know. But this... These, what I do know 
is that the kings and the merchants of the earth seem to be in a different group than those who trade by the sea. Because they're telling, rejoice over her, O heaven. I don't know. Anyways, I'll let you guys think on that, chew on that. Let me know your thoughts on that. Verse 21, Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. And the sound of harpists and musicians and the flute players and trumpeters will be heard in you no more. And the craftsmen and any craft will be found in you no more. And the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more. And the light of the lamp will shine in you no more. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride will be heard in you no more. For your merchants were the great ones of the earth and all nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in you was found the blood of the prophets and the saints and all who have been slain on the earth. So this is where a lot of scholars say that these the woman that's being brought to destruction, the city, is the same thing as the false prophet, is the same thing as this false religious system because there are multiple references to this religious system. So they were clearly dependent upon this religious system for trade and for power and for wealth. And she is being destroyed within the hour. So, And I do find it really interesting that all nations were deceived by her sorcery. That sorcery, that word is pharmakeia. Some scholars say that this means that she was like a drug to some people. But that's not what it says. It doesn't say we're deceived by your sorcery in this addicting way. It says that it was deceived by pharmakeia, which is the use and administration of drugs. One of the strongest powerful systems in the world is big pharma right now they own so many patents on people and on things and especially through vaccines they cannot be sued at all ronald reagan in 1986 exempt them from liability of being able to be sued so they are able to do what they want how they want where they want without any form of liability And they have deceived a lot of people about vaccines in general. And the only reason I'm saying this is because my children have been vaccine injured. Um, And about this vaccine that's coming up with this new, these new, this new way of going about things with um, the mRNA, this transhumanism. There's a lot to look into. If you haven't looked into it, please, please, please look into it because we are seeing that all nations are going, going to be deceived by the sorcery that comes from this religious system and this commercial system because it seems to be mixing both of them. In chapters 18 and 17, there seems to be a mix of religion and commercial. And it could be that the religion of old is being brought into the commercial system in order to deceive the many, in order to gain power and control. I'm done talking about Babylon. I'm so over talking about Babylon. It gives me a headache. I'm like, it makes me mad. I don't like how many people that they deceive. But... Next week, we are going to talk about the wedding supper of the Lamb. We are going to talk about the rider on the white horse, Jesus. When he comes back, I'm going to try to do it without crying. We're going to talk about the millennial period and the final defeat of Satan 
and the Great White Throne Judgment, the people on Wednesday nights asked me to go into greater detail about the judgment seats of God. God. You have the Bema seat, you've got the goat and sheep uh, judgment seat, and then you've got the Great White Throne Judgment seat. So I'm going to try to go into more detail. It's a lot, but I think we can do it because everything that we do is a lot. So I want you to read through chapter 19 and 20. And also, if you want to look into more detail on the millennium, there's not a lot of detail given to us in chapter 20. There's just a few verses given to us about what the millennial period, a thousand years is a long time. We don't have a lot of scriptures about it. Matthew 19, 12 talks about the millennial period. Isaiah 65 and Ezekiel 40 through 48 all talk about this millennial period. So look into that. Thank you guys for sticking with me. I hope you're not too overwhelmed and tired. I'm tired. I could use a cup of coffee. But you know, we have so much hope in what is to come. We get can get so bogged down by what we see is happening. But God is using it for his glory and to bring back people to God. While we see a lot of people who are deceived, we see a lot of people who are falling into destruction. We are also seeing an awakening happen to those who I guarantee you, we would have never thought would be awakened to see what is happening on this earth. So God, I just pray for everyone who is listening to have eyes to see and ears to hear. God, please help us to be a good and faithful witness of your word. The word became flesh and dwelt among them. As we read through your word, we are knowing you and Jesus more. And God, what an honor it is to teach your word. What an honor it is to read through it and to share with others everything that we learn. Father, we love you and we praise you and we worship you. In the name of Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.